Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Before we get to the show, a quick but I think compelling pitch. Do you know about our secret menu? It's a subscription tier of a thing or two, and it's where we share our shopping guides, answer reader questions, go deep on the trends we're seeing in food, fashion, and design, and just generally get into topics that excite us. Secret Menu subscribers receive an exclusive newsletter every Thursday and also get access to all of our back issues and special resources like our baby registry guide and wedding registry guide. It's four bucks a month and you can cancel anytime. Sign up at a thing or two HQ.com to receive it as well as our endless gratitude for supporting what we do. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from, want to support us in general, head to a thing or two HQ.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. I had a really special dinner last night. I know, but I haven't heard anything about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> feels strange because it's by my clock, 321 PM the day after. I know. And usually I, we were, I was saying, I'm going to tell you about on the podcast, which it's very rare that I'm telling something to you live on the podcast. You usually have context for it. So it was my birthday. Chris snagged a reservation at this place, Department of Culture, Brooklyn, which is a new restaurant. It opened in January and they only have, I think maybe like seven seatings a week. It's a fixed price menu. It's a communal table. There's 12 seats. So he tells me that he got a reservation at this restaurant. And I'm like, I'm so excited about this. I've been wanting to go there. I also think it's a kind of a terrible idea because he had just finished this like five-day stomach bug, like maybe even a parasite, who knows? This restaurant is Nigerian and notorious for how spicy the food is. I was like, I think it's an awful idea. He was like, I don't care. Like, I don't care if I'm up all night afterwards. Like, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm yeah. doing it. So... I'm like, great, let's do it. So we go, it's in bed It's not far from us. It's a super small space. Like the kitchen isn't even a full kitchen. It's sort of like burners, blender, food processor. And you all file in together because it's this one room space. So they wait until they're like fully ready for you. Everybody's hanging out outside. It's BYOB. So everybody's like got their wines and their beers or whatever. And you sit down and I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't honestly really expecting to talk to other people just because it's a communal table. Because I feel like I've been to plenty of communal table restaurants where you don't Everybody talk. just like sits on a corner and turns in toward each other yeah. or like pretends other people aren't there. 
Right. Or like a sushi bar, you know, those like sushi <laughs> yeah, bars that only have like 12 seats and you're like, yeah, we're all sitting next to each other. It doesn't mean we have to talk, but there yes. was just something about, I think maybe the size of the room where you just had like no choice, but to talk to each other or not you no choice, but it just encouraged it. So Chris is like chit-chatting with the woman next to us. And he tells her it's my birthday. And she's like, what was the best part of your day? And I had to really think about it. I was like, you know, I think it was my run this morning. I gave myself the gift of a long run. And then I was like, what was the best part of your day? We ended up basically asking everybody sitting near us what the best part of their day was. And I just have to say, I clocked this and put it in my bank because I was like, I'm not comfortable at a party just making small talk with people I don't know. And I was like, this has to be my go-to from now on. What was the best part of your day? It's a it's really, really good, good icebreaker question. And what like, did people say? Okay, so one woman, the best part of her day was that some she had had a friend coming with her to the restaurant who had canceled last minute. And she'd asked her coworker, like, do you want to come with me to this thing tonight? And her coworker saying yes was the best part That's of her cute. day. It was very wow. cute. Another person had just gotten acupuncture and, and cupping. Another person had had a great yoga class. Those two people came together and they were both- they were to, to hear it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was just such a good getting to know you question. I was thrilled about it. And I was like, I just need to remember this the next time I'm in an awkward setting or just need to make small talk of just what was the best part of your day. It's not intrusive. It's not, what do you do for a living? Because people can share what they want to share. Exactly. Like they don't have to, they can make it as personal as they want, you know? Yes. And it's positive. It just, it felt, I was like, I'm thrilled with, with this question. It also feels experience. like you might get like a good lunch recommendation or a recipe out of it sometimes. You know Great what I mean? point. I could have gotten- Because sometimes rec- that's the best part of my day. I, you know, I did ask about these yoga classes and acupuncture places. I was like, where did you go to get it? It was all the East Village. And I was like, I'm not going to go to the East Village not for it. It's but, happening for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, so that wasn't even the best part of the night. But what? I will, I, I mean, that part was really good because I was like, I've really enjoyed this. And I will say, I think a little bit of it too is just that, you know, we've all been in a pandemic and on the, <laughs> on the cliff of an apocalypse for the last two years. So we were all excited to talk to strangers. So the premise of this restaurant is it's Nigerian food. It's provincial Nigerian food cooked by someone who grew up in Nigeria who cooks the food himself. It's all fixed price. So you like pay ahead of time, flat fee. You, you buy come, tickets, basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you all, everybody is eating the same exact thing at the same time, with the exception of like, you know, if you maybe have allergies or something. And as each course comes out, once everybody has their food, the chef slash owner steps out and from behind this, this little makeshift kitchen and, and talks to you about the food that you're eating. And so when he first comes out, he's talking about specifically where he's from in Nigeria. And he's trying to make the to sort of like put it in context. He's from Quara state. And he's like, I like to say that it's basically like the Delaware of Nigeria. Which, oh my God. You felt so seen. You felt deeply seen. Not only was I like losing it, but the woman sitting two seats over from me, the one who had a great yoga class was like, I'm from Delaware. And oh I was God. Like, so then you had to switch oh seats God. basically. I mean, what could you do at that point? <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that this man is calling out Delaware. I can't believe there's another Delawarean at this table. I just was- It's just like he called, as if he called it out in his Oscar speech. You know? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I was so thrilled. But then he also noted, and I love this. He was like, I, I will say, I've been saying it's, De- it's the Delaware of Nigeria, but then- you know, I had, I, there were some Nigerians here the other night when I was giving this talk and they were like, no, 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 man. It's not, it's not the Delaware. It's the Virginia. He was like, so mm. it's somewhere between the Delaware okay. and the Virginia. Eastern Nigeria. seaboard for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so he like finishes this portion of his talk and 
I turned to the woman who'd also gotten excited about being from Delaware. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was like, where did you go to high school? I was like, I mean, I think you're probably a lot younger than me because she looked a lot younger than me. But like, you know, where did you go? And she goes, no, 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 definitely. I am like a lot younger than you. <laughs> and it was so innocent the way she said it. And like, she, and then she what? caught it as soon as she said it. She was like, no, 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 I'm just saying like, we're young. And it was like, so obvious that they were young. And it just wasn't just how they looked. They just, you know, the vibe was young. young. The vibe yeah, was yeah, young. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I remember being that age where you knew you were significantly younger yeah, than yeah, somebody yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course I'm still significantly younger than other people, but it was still just that feeling of like, oh, that's where I am now. Where you look at me and you're like, you are a different generation than me. That's right. That's right. I wasn't upset about it. It was just a, a no, you were o. just like amused by it or like, yeah. I was amused and I, I noted it. I was like, yeah. that's where you are. And that's you put where a pin they in are. It. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I certainly remember feeling that way. It was really, it was really something. And then I, you know, we proceeded to have a nice little chat about age. And they were like, <laughs> they were, I think 26 and 27, they had spent like- I was gonna guess. <laughs> maybe I think, no, they were 25 and 26. They had spent like one year post-college, not in the pandemic. And okay. you can oh, tell God. that they- I, Just that <laughs> sentence is hard was, for me. Okay, keep going. Anyway, the other thing that I, so the, the dinner was like great. It was amazing. The food was really good. But what was really special about it, in addition to this experience of it being communal and just- like extremely communal. And I do think the fact that we're all eating the same thing at the same time made it extra communal is this guy is so good at coming out and talking about the food and he relates it so personally to his life. So he's telling you these stories about his childhood and you know how it relates to these specific dishes and, and his grandparents. He's got pictures of his grandparents up in the restaurant. So it just feels really, really personal. And part of what he talks about with his inspiration with this, with this restaurant was that he would always get really frustrated by this idea of he would see these like signs or reviews for restaurants in New York that were like, it's African food. And he's like, what the fuck does that mean? That's he's a like, continent. He's like, I literally do not know what people eat 30 minutes away from me yeah, in Nigeria. Yeah, 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 so yeah, what exactly yeah. does African food mean? And he's like, it's just so, so provincial. And I think that's so interesting. And I have Nigerian people who come to this restaurant and I start talking about the cheese that we make and they're like, what are you talking about? We've never heard of it. Cheese in Nigerian yeah, yeah, food. Yeah, 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 he's yeah. like, no, 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 no. Like we make this cheese with this unpasteurized milk. And he's like, and I just like, I think there's something really special about provincial food and we tend to like not sort of elevate it or honor it in the same way, but it's so cool as we do like sort of more predominant cultures, but like everybody has provincial food and a lot of provincial food is really good. So this does feel like one of these like really unique things that comes out of the pandemic, because I have to say, I, I can't imagine this existing three years ago where he's doing six seatings a week, maybe seven. He's coming out and talking about every single dish himself. There's only 12 tables available a night. I have to assume that his rent is really low and that that's how he's pulling this off. But at the same time, I'm like, you know, it's a fixed price menu. He doesn't have to have that much food available. So he's cutting out a lot of like the overhead of a sort of typical restaurant. He's not like overbuying and then just like hoping he sells through things or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and I think people are so excited about a new and different concept that they're willing to be like, maybe I'm not going to love every single course. There's four courses, but I'm excited to go for the storytelling and the experience of it all and to just like to get out 
you know? And he had uh, this guy who the owner's name is Io Balogun and he had been wanting to open this. He had been planning on opening it in September and then Delta happened and then they were going to open in December and then Omicron happened. And so they finally opened in January and you just get the sense that he, and it, it, it grew out of this pop-up that he had been doing in this coffee shop that he owns down the street. And you just get the sense that he was like, I don't know. I just thought this was a really interesting project and I'm going to give it a shot and see how it goes. And I really hope that he figures out how to make it sustainable because it feels like the most interesting, exciting meal I've had out in a really long time. And I loved the food, but it was only part of it was about the food experience. It was really about the experience. And he's doing this cool thing, you know, to sort of speak to this, his interest in emphasizing provincial food and the diversity of, of food in Nigeria, where he is inviting all of these different Nigerian aunties mm. that he doesn't even know to come yeah, yeah, yeah. cook in his kitchen. He's like, they're going to cook this food and they're going to talk about it. And I'm not even going to like know. I'm going to like learn things. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's going to be totally different food because they're going to be coming from a different region. And he's just so passionate about it and excited about it. I love it. I think, I think what you were saying about, you know, that he's doing a certain number of seatings a week and that it's just like much more of a contained thing. Like Mm -hmm. I think more and more restaurants are, are, you know, four years ago, three years ago, whatever, everybody would be serving brunch because that's what people wanted. And Mm -hmm. I think now more restaurateurs or chef owners are just being like, no, like I'm doing this the way that I want to do it. And I'm not like playing any of your games. And I'm going to make this sustainable for me as a person running Mm -hmm. a business and for the people working with me. And my, my, like one of my best restaurant experiences of like of the pandemic was at this place, La Copine Mm -hmm. in Joshua Tree. And they are open like Thursday through Sunday. They take off two months in the winter because it just makes sense for them. Like it's very structured. And I just think that's really smart in the way things are going. And the the women, there are a couple who moved from Philadelphia to start this restaurant in Flamingo Heights, which is like basically by Pioneer Town, Joshua Tree, mm-hmm. what have you. They like visited on their honeymoon, bought this place and like moved out to do this. And it's just feels so considered and thoughtful. And they were like, we couldn't afford to do this in Philly, but if we're going to do this here, we're going to like do it the way we want to do it. No, I mean, I think, you know, I hope that I hope that people figure out how to make businesses more sustainable for themselves, especially in, in the food world where you just think, I don't know how anybody makes a restaurant profitable, but looking at this, I was like, okay, it makes sense to me. You know exactly what you're cooking every night and you can buy only that. A surprise. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much to BetterHelp for sponsoring today's episode. We've been trying to do a better job sort of keeping track of the sort of quick mental health fixes that, you know, aren't sort of the long-term sort of serious care like therapy is, but things that you can like in the moment, just be like, okay, I'm feeling low. What's something I can do to sort of make myself feel better right now? And I have to say that a major one for me is the category of podcasts that I will call hanging with friends, people who may not actually be your friends. So chief among them for me are Who Weekly, Jam Session, and Poog. Like all of those hosts just feel like I'm hanging out with friends. I'm having some just like some cozy time with them, even though I'm not. And it just sort of gets me out of my head and it feels not challenging and it feels like light enough. And it just, it's sort of a mental health break for me. Totally, totally. If you're looking for something a little bit more, talking to a licensed therapist can help you feel better. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online so you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. They have 3,000 US licensed therapists across all 50 states and four modes of communication, text, chat, phone, and video. You can start communicating with a counselor in under 24 hours and schedule weekly secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist 
BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and a thing or two listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash a thing or two. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash a thing or two. Thank you so much to Murad for sponsoring today's episode. We are very committed sunscreen wearers, extremely committed sunscreen Mm -hmm. wearers. Um, I feel like anytime I go to the doctor, the dermatologist, they're always like, you wear sunscreen, right? And I'm like patting myself (laughs) on the back being like, always, even when it's gray outside, like would never not. (laughs) Well, it's just like part of the morning routine. It's part of the morning routine. But the thing is, it is really nice when your sunscreen's doing more than just being sunscreen because otherwise it's like, I also want like a brightening this. I also want yes. a moisturizing that. I also want some like vitamins and antioxidants and whatever. And if I have to layer on like the serum and the moisturizer and then put the sunscreen on top of it, I feel like I have like a centimeter worth of product on my face at that point. Well, and you bring up an interesting point, which is that I never remember what order it's supposed to go in <laughs> because I'm like, oh, I put it on like, kind of first, um, yeah, yeah, which is yeah, maybe wrong. Yeah. Maybe then by the time everything else is on, it's no longer effective. I don't know. I Luckily, Murad has taken care of this for us. Murad is dermatologist-founded skincare with highly effective products backed by clinical testing and validated by proof and science. They don't make empty claims. They just make science-backed, clinically proven total skin health. If you're relying on a separate serum and sunscreen to correct and protect against dark spots, then you need to try Murad's two-in-one innovation. Correct and Protect Serum Broad Spectrum SPF 45. It combines the proven results of a treatment serum with a satiny smooth 100% mineral SPF that helps future-proof your skin, and it brightens your skin the more you use it. Clinically proven to correct discoloration while preventing hyperpigmentation like dark spots and uneven skin tone, this SPF protects without leaving behind a white cast. It's a time-saving, zero-stress, invisible mineral sunscreen for all skin tones and types, and it's available at Ulta and Sephora. Shop Humurad.com to save 20% and get free shipping with your $60 purchase when you use code a thing or two. Again, that's Murad.com, M-U-R-A-D.com, and use the code a thing or two for 20% off and free shipping with your purchase of $60 or more. Are you going on date after date and still not finding the one or getting a text back? Well, you're probably doing something wrong. And I am here to tell you exactly what that is. I'm Lindsay Metzler and I host We Met at Acme. It's a dating podcast that gives you all the rules and guidelines that you need to date successfully. Hey, it worked for me and now I'm married. So you really should give it a listen if you haven't already. And you can also hear the horrors of dating. Everything that you want to hear is in We Met at Acme. So check it out. Okay, the other thing we wanted to talk about on this Mm -hmm. episode weddings specifically ours because somebody wrote in and was and said you know I'm planning my wedding and I'm just like curious to hear about other people's experiences and curious to hear you guys talk about your weddings which were kind of a while ago at this point but definitely a while ago at this point yours was 2013 yeah your eight-year anniversary is next in a month and a half thanks for doing the math for me something like that something yeah yeah something like that okay so can we talk about your wedding Yes. I had a backyard wedding, which I always knew I wanted to do, or not even I always knew because I didn't, I never had like fantasies about 
a wedding in the same way. I never had fantasies about having kids. It was more just that when I met somebody who I knew I wanted to marry, I was like, oh, this is where I'd, I'd want to do it in my parents, in my parents' backyard, in the house where I grew up. And I grew up there my whole life. And my dad is a really passionate gardener. And it just felt like an obvious thing. And my parents were very on board with that. And when I brought Chris home one of the first times before we'd talked about marriage, before we were engaged. My mom was like, Steve, you need to get the backyard resotted because I feel like we're going to have a wedding. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> so now that I tell that story, I'm kind of like, maybe my mom had also contributed to this idea that we should get married, that like, I always planted get, that I get married in the backyard. Yeah. She got yeah. married in her parents' backyard. Okay. So I know that that was she also part of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah what yeah, I yeah, had yeah, like yeah. liked that she'd done that. I liked yeah. that. I could visit my grandparents' house and see where my parents got married. So yeah, they were they were planning, I think, even before we were planning in some ways. Well, gardening takes time, Claire. You can't just turn oh, that over whenever exactly. you want it, whenever you want a wedding. You That's know? right. And as you know, as we, you know, discussed in the the first part of this episode, I feel very passionately about Delaware. So I was excited to <laughs> to get a bunch of my And to support the local tourism. That's Honestly. right. That's right. <laughs> so what is there to say? We had I had never planned on having a wedding planner and then by some like fluke that I can't, it's such a silly story. Like my mom's neighbor won a wedding planning package at a charity auction. And then her son didn't need it. And was like, do you guys want this wedding planner? My mom was like, sure. And I have to say, thank God we had a wedding planner because really two things for two major reasons. No one had ever thrown an event in my parents' backyard before. Uh uh So it was uh really helpful to have an expert who could be like, this is this is what you need. This is how many people you can fit back here. This is how many tents you need. And did she help with like visualizing where the tents were going to go and like that kind yeah. of stuff? And yeah. I think we kind of had the idea and yeah, she, yeah, she yeah, would yeah. say like, yeah, she or, would give that like the okay. Exactly. Like, yeah. And and that was huge. And just like, here's what will work and what won't. Because if we'd been doing it at a venue, those people would say, here are the like five options of how right. people tend to do this thing. And here's how it works. And like, give you the sort of, pros and cons of various ABC options. And we had none of that, right? And so we were starting from scratch, which I was, hadn't been worried about at all, but ended up being so happy that that there was someone there to say like, yes, that seems reasonable to me. And then the other piece of it that you know, I think would have been valuable regardless of whether we were doing it at a venue or in our backyard was that she was really good at managing conflict between me and my parents and specifically me and my mother, I would say. Because there were just things where she could say like, yeah, actually like you do need this or, you you know, like it is reasonable to get porta potties, which I actually didn't win that battle. My mom just did not want porta potties in the driveway. And the wedding planner was on my side about this and was like, no, I think it would be helpful to have more than like two bathrooms for guests or three bathrooms for guests. And what if ha- when something happens with one of them and exactly. then you're not a bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so even though I didn't win that battle, it was still just helpful to have someone being like, she's not being crazy. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I yeah. think- You felt validated at the very least. I felt least. validated. And I have to say like, I think everybody's parents are different, but my parents had- gotten married some, you know, 45 years prior to my wedding and had, I had not attended a lot of weddings in the in-between. And so I think their sense of like what expectations were around wedding culture these days was just like, not the same as mine. Not that I wanted this huge over the top wedding, but it was just helpful to have somebody sort of level set and manage expectations. I think everybody's parents are different, but everybody's parents are frustrating. It was just really nice to have someone sort of close the gap between, you know, their sort of feeling of like, like I'm pretty sure that this woman ran out and got tequila in the middle of our wedding, like more tequila. <laughs> and I never knew uh-huh, about uh-huh. it. And speaking of which, that's another thing, like you're doing a backyard wedding. How much booze do you get? He, she was someone who could provide the sort of 
template of like, here's a general amount of booze you should get for this many people. And here's how you want to think about it. And here's the different types of booze you want to get and stuff like that. And she just, she'd done this before, you know, none of us had done this before. Right. At least it wasn't not her first decades. rodeo. Exactly. I also personally enjoyed what a character she was. Ronnie, Ronnie was such a character. Loved her. I was really stressed about if it rains, how does this all go? Because if it doesn't rain, it's great. It's fine. People are milling about. And if it does, we're kind of screwed. And one of the things that to me made that more doable was if we didn't have assigned seating and like Mm. food time where everybody's going up. I just wanted it to be relaxed and like you eat when you want to eat, you sit with who you want to sit with, you can rove around tables. I also like that as a general just vibe, but it also felt to me that if things were less structured, that would give us more flexibility around people could be like standing around chatting while other people were people eating or like whatever. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. right. And I was really stressed about that. I do have this one memory that I'll like never forget of being with my parents over the holidays and I couldn't sleep because I was stressing about all of this. And I don't know how my mom figured out that I was up and I confessed to her that I was stressing about this. And she, in a really sweet like moment was like, I'm going to stay up we're going to like sit down right now at two in the morning because you can't sleep and just talk this out and like assuage your fears. Because I remember I was like, I think it only works if we use disposable plates. And is that okay? And she was like, yeah. The disposable plate thing was really, <laughs> I remember a, a bigger component of your wedding than I would have guessed. I couldn't tell you exactly why now, because again, this was like eight years ago, but it was something about like, I wanted people to like, I felt like I didn't want people to have to contend with heavy plates. I just wanted it to be casual and like, come and go get multiple plates, whatever. So my mom was like, all right, we're going to like sit down and Google and like, look, here are these chic bamboo disposable plates and it's fine. And yet like, we don't have to feel badly about and that are cute. You don't need to have a seating chart. You don't need to call separate tables up to the buffet at at each time. Like you can do it that way and it will be fine. And it ended up being so nice. Like, I think it made it feel more like a casual garden party than like a formal wedding. And it also meant that there was more dancing because people didn't feel like, oh, we have to wait until the dinner part is over to get up and dance. So that was nice. I didn't do a big flower thing. Not that I didn't care about them, but we were already in a garden and the garden was going to be nice. And also I was highly aware of how much it would cost. And I just can't get over how much flowers cost. They're so expensive. So we just got a lot of ranunculus and peonies and put them in these brown glass jars. And it was really simple. And I was happy with it. And I think I'd do that all over again. Probably not brown glass jars because that like, I don't know. That's not that my feels a little bit anymore. more eight yeah, years ago. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's fine. Every like, yeah. there are going to be parts of this that are going to feel dated right. in retrospect, and it's like a little bit of a time capsule in that way too. Yeah, it totally. But it's I, I was totally happy with it. We did hurricane candles and you know just simple white ones. I love crazy flower arrangements. I think if somebody you know if if the wedding budget was endless, I would have hired somebody to do crazy flower arrangements. But it just felt like of all the things, there were plenty of things that I was really desperate to spend a lot of money on. And that was not one of them for whatever reason. And this wasn't one of them. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, that's something like that is an approach we both took of being like, spend the money on the things that you, that are really important to you and just kind of like cut out the rest of it. Because I think both you and I, you know, we're particular Mm -hmm. about things. And so the like sort of half-baked version of the vision wasn't going to do it. I mean, my parents really cared about food and they really wanted good food. I care about food too. And so we got, we had great catering from this place, Tallulah's Table in in Kennett, which is in Pennsylvania nearby. As I said, I was so nervous about the rain and sure enough, it rained because we did it in early May. So a couple of days before when it seemed like it was going to rain, I ordered a gazillion white 
umbrellas and we just sort of stationed them all over the garden and all over the house. And it was fine. And they were pretty and it like looks nice in the wedding pictures. It drizzled during the ceremony, but I think it was key that it mostly didn't rain during the ceremony. I think most people who have terrible weather on their wedding day will tell you the same thing, which is that you're so happy that you're just kind of like, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Like it just, of course you would rather it be nice, but you're just so giddy that you can't, it doesn't get you down. Also, I do love a wedding dress and rainbow photo, yeah. you know, when people have those in the, I mean, I think it's really yeah. cute. I don't know. There's something magical about yeah. it. Yeah. So it rained and it was still fine. The police broke up our wedding and that was fine because I, I think my parents had warned- Noise ordinance Yeah, my parents stuff. had warned a lot of neighbors, but I guess not enough neighbors. They didn't realize how <laughs> how how far the noise would travel. You, my only regret was that the police officer wouldn't take any pictures with us, which I thought was rude because I did want that yeah. memory. And I think in general, like, the one regret I have is that I didn't spend more time on photos and portraits, which I think a couple of things. One, I did something in general. I think my approach to wedding planning was that I really didn't want to be a bridezilla. I didn't want to be a stereotypical bride. And this was a little bit the height of the wedding industrial complex really being like doing its thing. And just, it was like wedding blogs and wedding Pinterest were at an all time high. I think it settled down a little bit. And I was just turned off by that. And I was like, I don't want to be that way. And I think in some ways I like lean too much the other way where I was just like, I don't care about that. Like, I don't care about pictures. I don't care about portraits because I wanted to sort of prove to myself and whoever else that I wasn't that way. And I actually, yeah. yeah, And I actually do wish that I had been like, we're going to spend an hour doing portraits or whatever. And part of the reason I didn't do that is because I didn't want Chris to see me before the wedding because he'd already seen my dress and we didn't do any, any of that sort of like, I don't know, formal stuff. And I was like, this will be the one thing that I get where you like, don't see me before I walk down the aisle. And then by the time the ceremony was over, I had no interest in missing out on the party to pose for portraits. I absolutely should have just had an hour or two or whatever, however much time it takes to have all the family and everybody get together for formal portraits before the ceremony and just have gotten it done and have them. I realized when I was reflecting upon this, it was, I was like, I think I, this is similar to how I expressed to you that sometimes I have this regret around the early days of becoming a mother where I was so desperate not to be like, have my identity changed because I was a mother that I yeah. Didn't fully just lean into it and embrace it and think I missed out on certain parts of it. And I think like I did, I sort of did that same thing with, with being a bride and having a wedding where I was like, I don't want, I don't want to, this to seem like it's too big of a deal to me. And therefore I'm going to like limit myself from certain things. Or that you're like basic in some yeah. way for like doing this. Yeah. Doing this. Yeah. I, I loved my dress. Here's another thing that I did wrong. And again, like I don't lose sleep over it. So I got, so my dress was not a wedding dress. It was a white dress that I got at Barney's from this designer, Juan Carlos Obando, who I don't think is around anymore. And my mom had really wanted to do the traditional wedding dress experience. And I think this was another thing that I was slightly resistant to because I was like, I don't want to be that kind of a bride. Um, I want to be a cool bride. And so we went and did all of that stuff and it made her really happy. And I was really glad she liked it. And I will say, I think it helped. I, I would actually recommend it even if you don't want a traditional wedding dress, because I think it is a helpful way to try on a lot of different styles of gown and understand yeah. what you like and what you don't. And then ultimately I found this really sort of just like, it was a very simple yeah. dress at Barney's and that's what I got. And I was so happy with it. And I really felt like myself in it. And then I got simple white Manolo Blahnik pumps. And the regret I have is that I liked both of them so much that I decided to dye them. 
and the pumps shrunk a little bit. Would I have worn it again if it were white? Probably not. Like, I don't know. So again, I don't lose sleep over this, but that was misguided, I would say. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. And yeah, hair and makeup, my friend did my makeup. I did my hair. I Again, I look back and I'm like, hair is like kind of weird now, but I think I'd feel that way either way because it was eight years ago. What do you mean? Yeah, well, of course it was just your like, hair eight years ago. Exactly. You're never going to like your hair eight years ago. Exactly. No, there's yeah, nothing like, you can do nice. to make you like your... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. But there's just no way you're ever going to look back at a picture from eight years ago and be like, well, that was perfect. Right. Like, That's sort of what yeah. I think. I'm like, we look yeah. young and cute and it's great. And... I, you know, for the most part, I think I'm happy with the aesthetic choices I made around my appearance. Thank you so much to Papaya Reusables for sponsoring today's episode. I was so excited when this sponsorship came in because I actually didn't know about this company. And I feel like this is exactly what I've been looking for. This like chic, non-dish towel replacement for paper towels with really cute patterns on them, which I don't know. I don't know why, but it just feels very European to me. And there's also just like something about the cute pattern that makes it feel a little more fun. Cause I'm never going to buy like a paper towel with a cute pattern, but this, no. this is, you know what this. I mean? Like this, this, yes. Yes. Cause you're keeping it around. Well, and they come with these very cute little plastic, like hooks that you can put. I, I have it just hanging over my sink. So it, it's on display in your kitchen because you're drying it. And they're just very cute. They have these, my favorites are the um, the fruit patterns. They have like a, a lemon pattern and they have a mango pattern and it's very adorable. And I'm excited for them to come out with new patterns. I've got some ideas for them if they want, you know, some ideas for maybe some designer collabs, like hire us. We Listen, can get this moving. I love it. I love it. Um, so if you want to think about the function of these as well, one papaya reusables towel replaces 17 rolls of disposable paper towels, not 17 sheets, 17 rolls. Papaya reusables are incredibly absorbent, all natural, dishwasher safe, and 100% compostable. Once you get it wet, the material becomes super soft and sort of feels like a cross between a paper towel, a rag, and a sponge. They don't get smelly or mildewy. And when they start to get too dirty to use them, you can just throw them in the dishwasher. Each paper towel has a hole in the corner and it comes with these little hooks that Claire mentioned. So once you use them, you can just like hang them up to dry and they dry really quickly, which is just so great. You can use them in your kitchen, your bathroom. And if you have any kids, a baby or a toddler hanging around specifically, you might want to use one on your kids' hands and faces because they are all natural and so soft. Use the code of thinger 220 to get 20% off your first order at papyrareusables.com. Thank you so much to Studs for sponsoring today's episode. I have to say, I as soon as Studs opened, I immediately understood the like business case for it because mm. I had an extremely memorable, not for the right reasons, piercing experience as a young person where I like begged my mother forever and ever to get pierced ears. She said, not until you're 13. So then I started buying clip on earrings from the drugstore and she was so horrified by them. She was like, fine, you can get your ears pierced, but she would not take me to piercing pagoda, which is where everybody got their ears pierced, the kiosk in the mall. She made me go to the doctor's office and it just took <laughs> all of the magic out of the experience. Let me tell you to go to your pediatrician's office to get your ears pierced. They didn't have the brand that you were interested in. They didn't didn't have the the right. (laughs) It was just not the rite of passage that I imagined it to be. And when studs opened, I was like, yes, this is where my mother would have felt comfortable taking me and where I would have been excited about going when I was a young person. And also by the way, where I'm excited about going now, because for some reason, like the older I get, the more holes I want in my ear because apparently that's like the thing that will keep me young. Like move over Botox. I just want more holes in my ears. That's how people will know I'm hip and cool. (laughs) 
So Studs is the new ear piercing and earring brand that invented the term earscaping, which is the art and science of styling all your ear piercings and mixing and matching styles for a vibe that's very you. Studs are safe and comfortable for even the most sensitive ears. They won't turn you green. All styles are super lightweight and durable enough to wear all the time, and you can even sleep and work out in them. The Studs assortment is super affordable, starting at just $10 per earring, but everything looks really premium. Studs has over 250 styles of hoops, huggies, studs, cuffs, and dangles, all sold in singles or pairs, so it's easy to create an earscape that's a statement look or one you keep in every day. They even have those ones with the flat backs so that they won't like dig into mm-hmm. the side of your head when you're yes. when your head's on a pillow if you're side sleepers, you know, like <laughs> some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> They've totally reimagined the piercing experience too, as Claire mentioned. So if you're looking to upgrade your earscape and get some more holes or just want to go to a pro to get styling advice, they have locations in LA, New York, Austin, Nashville, Miami, Boston, and they only pierce with needles, never guns. So it's safer and better for you. We're dying for you to try them out. And if you go to studs.com slash a thing or two, you'll automatically get 20% off your first order. This is their best offer. So run, don't walk. That's studs.com slash a thing or two for 20% off. The one thing that is like really meaningful that I still love is the invites that Mm. we did because my grandmother, my grandma Shirley had done these really beautiful watercolors of my parents' house, of of the backyard where we were getting married, of like various parts of the house. And so we ended up using photographs. Chris's friend, who is a professional fine art photographer, photographed these paintings and we turned those into the invites. And my cousin, who, you know, this was also her grandmother, did all the graphic design elements for it. And it just so happened that my grandmother died shortly after we got engaged. So it ended up being this like really meaningful way to involve her in the wedding and also just so special to like a special way to honor her artwork and make the location part of the invites. And now we just all have these cards and I love going over to friends' houses so many, and seeing like they still have it on their refrigerator just like around the house somewhere because they, they were just really beautiful. And so that was that was one thing I liked that we managed to make the invites feel special in that way. And it, and it does feel like the one sort of memento that I care about from our wedding. Yeah, totally. Even, like I, like feels more important to me than still having the dress. Totally, totally, totally. I feel the same way about our invites, which, okay, I will get to. So my wedding, my like whole wedding ordeal, Mm -hmm. I would say, was very much inspired by a friend's sister's wedding. I totally forgot about this, that it was inspired by... By a friend's sister. Yeah. So she and her husband got married in Greece and it was like just immediate family and like basically, sorry, grandma, you didn't live with me. You're not invited. Like that kind of (laughs) like immediate family. And then they had a celebration in New York City where they lived after, like a year after. And I was my friend Juliet's date. And this like party was at Spice Market in New York City in the meatpacking district, which in like 2006 was basically the height of cool. Yes. And they had this like private downstairs space and there were like pictures, black and white pictures of them from their actual, you know, wedding in Greece Mm. on the table. And the bride and groom were both wearing like cocktail attire. Like I feel like she was maybe just wearing like a little black dress and they just looked so relaxed and chill and having a good time. And just like, it just felt like fun. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, this, Mm -hmm. like, yes, this whole thing. Like there feels like no pressure here at all. I like love this. And I like you never had a vision of 
what I wanted a wedding to be. I like never pictured a wedding dress, Mm -hmm. like any of the things. And so when Thomas and I, you know, decided to get married, we decided to get married at City Hall, which in New York is like technically the city clerk's office, Mm -hmm. but City Hall has a much better better ring to (laughs) it. nicer ring. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So we got married at City Hall in Manhattan. And I think part, like something that I really loved about it is that it just like feels like such a New York experience of this like very melting pot thing where it's like, Mm -hmm it's like people of all ages, like couples where you're like, are those two together? Or like those two together? (laughs) Like you're just a little bit confused. Mm -hmm. I like love that. Are you the father of the bride or the groom? Yeah, exactly. It's just, it makes it really fun. It's great Mm -hmm. people watching you. Like they literally call your number, your ceremonies, like two minutes, the people who officiate do an incredible job. I also just like, for whatever reason, didn't feel compelled to like do vows in front of like a hundred people. I don't Mm -hmm. know why that's like definitely just like a me personal thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, that alleviated like any of that. Mm -hmm. You can also like buy flowers like at this place or nearby Fox Potter Farm, which is a florist that we really love now also does like a city hall special where you you can get like flowers. (sighs) What did I do for flowers? I can't remember. Claire. Did you have them? No, I don't think I had flowers. Okay. I think I didn't do flowers. Yeah. We like kept it like very chill mm-hmm. and Jamie Beck, our friend and the photographer who like worked very, you know, her, her studio and our old office were very nearby, mm-hmm. came by afterward and took pictures. And as we like walked to lunch, which we had at this restaurant that is no longer called Blaugans in Tribeca. And it was like just our families. And it, and like, we both have a couple of extended relatives who live in the New York area. And so they came. So everybody came to the city hall ceremony. Everybody came to the city hall ceremony. And then you all walked Everybody to the walked restaurant from together there. and you did photographs exactly. in between lunch and the ceremony or ceremony and lunch. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And there's this little garden right outside of uh, the city clerk's office called like wedding garden or mm-hmm. something that like that felt like part, you know, such a like core part of it too. Mm-hmm. And I just really like that like these, these are places that I you know, will naturally find myself near over Mm -hmm. the course of a day or a week or a month or whatever in New York. And it's just kind of fun to have those places like be meaningful to me totally, some way, shape or form. So after lunch, Thomas and I went back to our apartment in Brooklyn and we were like, oh, it's like 2 p.m. Like it's kind of like, (laughs) what what do we do now? (laughs) Now what? So we decided we like ended up booking a last minute hotel room at the Bowery Hotel and did like a whole New York, you know, date night. We went to Angelica for a movie. We went to Mm -hmm. Prune, like, and it just, it felt fun to like have that element too, of just like time with just us, Mm -hmm. which I think we both really valued. And we've like gone back to the Bowery Hotel since for anniversaries. And it's like, they're like really lovely to us. And it feels really special to have a place in New York that like feels like that as a, as Mm -hmm. a local, as a resident, I I guess. I feel, I never thought about that, but it is like, it, it is nice to get married somewhere that you will return to where and yeah. like have, I mean obviously we return to my parents house and tell Cam like this exactly is where we got exactly. married and to just always exactly. be able to sort of revisit that memory is really nice yeah exactly and then you know as an ode to this wedding that I like loved obviously or this wedding uh, the <laughs> yeah. Juliet sisters wedding that I loved we had a party a year after in Chicago which is where Thomas and I met and it's basically equidistant between where both of us grew up and 
it was like a, a bigger affair than the spikes market in like inspo. We invited about 300 people. <laughs> so we... You're saying you didn't mimic it exactly. You didn't do the playbook <laughs> exactly. Okay. Listen, as much as I wanted to, Claire, yeah. we invited about 300 people. We wanted our parents to be able to invite whoever they wanted. I just wanted to like not have conversations about it. Basically, mm-hmm. we wanted like our guests to be able to have a plus one. And we picked the space based on like that and the vibe and sacrificed on the food. So we had it at the Museum of Contemporary Art Chicago, which is like this great building, which is right downtown. It's a great location. The galleries were open. I like love, we have like such cool photos of, you know, guests looking at art in galleries during during the like party, which is like so fun to me. And those are some of my favorite pictures. I was surprised by how willing I was to sacrifice on the food just mm-hmm. because like, Ultimately, I was like, I'm going to have to, I'm sacrificing on something here, yeah. like for sure. And they have like their caterer and that is it. And then beyond that, we just kept things like very minimal. Can I also just say about food, people remember if it's really, really good. If it's just fine, yes. it, they don't remember it at all. And if it's horrific, yeah. they remember that. Yeah, 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 but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If it it's gives not them one food of those poisoning, things, they yeah, remember. Exactly. Yeah. But it's one of those things where if it's like just fine, people are like, of course it's just fine because you were having to feed 200 people wedding. at once. Like it's yeah. just not yeah, yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. that has to be amazing for people to enjoy the, the I agree, wedding. Claire. Like the, the music, the music is like the thing that has to be amazing. The love has to be amazing. And honestly, that's kind of it. No, you're right. You're right. You're like, right. You're hundred percent right. You're hundred percent right. So we had photos of us through the years on the tables. We had, we rented plants to bring some like green into the Mm -hmm. space and it was a much more cost-effective option than, than doing flowers. Thomas's friend, Danny DJed and Thomas like contributed to things that he knew he wanted on the playlist, but he and Danny had been in a band together for years. And so they, they knew what the vibe was. And then we got Dairy Queen ice cream cakes for dessert, which is like Thomas's favorite thing in the world. It was also, you know, way cheaper than like any other wedding Mm -hmm. cake situation we were going to encounter. And it also just felt like a real wild card in terms of execution, which was something I kind of liked. Like the manager (laughs) at Dairy Queen who I talked to was like, you want what now? And like when, (laughs) and you don't want them to say anything. You just want like a green icing border. And like, it just felt like ice cream cake was like a real risk factor that felt Mm -hmm. like a little fun. Offered a little thrill. Yeah. A little thrill, a little Mm -hmm. thrill. The day I I was a little bit worried that I hadn't been worried enough because I hadn't, there just like, wasn't that much to micromanage and I didn't really micromanage anything, but it was fine because these are people who are professionals who like throw Mm -hmm. events all the time. And like that, there just weren't that many variables, which, you know, was my goal. We got this really awesome photographer who was not a wedding photographer um, named Stephanie Bassos. And I think we partially convinced her to do it because of the location, which is like mm-hmm. like a fun location to shoot in. And that we were like, there's no ceremony. There's like no, like you don't have to take pictures of us walking up like down an aisle, like that won't be part of it. Mm-hmm. And she just got really good like party pictures on top of, you know, like family photos and stuff. And then like some of it did end up being more structured and a little more wedding-y than I would have wanted. And we ended up doing a brunch the day after because my mom was like- But you never like, wanted that. No. That you were always against that. I was always against that. And the conversation that I had with my mom about like what we wanted this to be, she was like, but you don't even want to brunch the day after. I was like, as if that is sacred. As <laughs> right. if that is this like mm-hmm. age old, like since the dawn of weddings, we've done mm-hmm. brunches the day after. No, we did a brunch the day after. Um, it was fine. It was like, it was a lovely, it wasn't like that it wasn't nice. It's just yeah. that I like really didn't want a fully programmed weekend. But that is also hard when people are traveling, Well, which I, I you know, understand. <laughs> It's not just, I mean, yeah, there's that. I think the other thing about a wedding is that you got, you should do it the way you want to do it, but you have to decide, are you doing it 
for yourself? Are you doing it for other people? And it can be a mix of both, but it's like, you kind of got to like, just resign yourself to whatever your choice is. And I think if you're doing it only for yourself, you're going to disappoint some people. And if you are doing it for other people, then you're going to have to like do some stuff you don't want to do. And you kind of got to, you did one of each a little bit. It is just like part of it for sure. For sure. Yeah. And then in terms of like the like wedding dress thing, I like really had no vision for what it would be. And then we were at a Kaylin Haworth who had a namesake flying Kaylin for years. Mm -hmm. We were at one of her presentations and there was this bronze leather dress that she was showing. And I was like, I want something like that, but in white. And you were like, email her, like ask her if, yeah. She already made the dress. And she did it and it was perfect. And I wore it to both. And for City Hall, I wanted like kind of a classic City Hall vibe. And so I did these like blue Alexander Bierman heels that, you know, that were like the something blue. I borrowed a Lulu Frost bracelet and I wore these earrings that were from a, a grandmother's necklace. And then for the party, I wanted, I wore these like green suede pumps that were sort of, you know, the, it was like white and green. Everything mm-hmm. was sort of white and green. I wore Lizzie Fortunato earrings. And then I wore this bracelet from another grandmother. And then my invites, you mm-hmm. know, my friend, Lisa Hedge, who is this extremely talented designer. She had a wedding paper line at the time called Venomore and she designed them. And I like also like the idea of like some sort of like little art piece or Mm -hmm. something. And she worked with photos of flowers and plants. And we really wanted to incorporate a philodendron because Thomas's grandma had a lot of them in this like greenhouse space of hers and her house in the Czech Republic. And so it sort of felt like his signature family plant, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I like Mm -hmm. love flowers in general, but I like liked this being just like more green and like plant life Mm -hmm. than, I don't know, than flower life. I feel like that was like some rejection of like some, you know, wedding floral things. (laughs) And we have one framed now in our entryway. And to me, it doesn't like look like a wedding invite, like, you know, who knows, but I like, like the fact that it's just like this stand alone thing that we have yeah. and it like means something to no, us. No, your wedding invites are so special. They were really beautiful. Thank you. You were really beautiful. Thank what you. Was, what's your favorite memory about getting married? I think I liked, I, I think I like weirdly liked just kind of like getting ready at my house and like getting in a cab and going to city hall. And like, there was just like something like, I don't know, that felt a little bit like old timey about totally. it. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, I had like a glam squad person come do my hair. So it wasn't yeah. like just me. Right. But like, yeah, there was like something kind of fun about like getting in a cab with Thomas and going to get married. I love that. Yeah. I love that. What's your least favorite memory about it? Oh God. I, I feel like that's just not the place. <laughs> <laughs> fair, fair, fair. <laughs> Understandable. Anyway, that's the show. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. Listener.